the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. This episode of the College Planning Edge was originally a podcast interview that I did. I was the guest of Gib Gerard, who, fun fact, is the son of the actress Connie Selica, now currently married to John Tesh, and Gil Gerard, aka Buck Rogers. Um, apparently, Gib has his own career as an actor and podcaster and journalist, and um, the interview was really good. He's he asked me some really good questions. Might have been a little surprised, I admit that, but um, sit back and relax and enjoy. You might get a few chuckles out of this interview because uh, both Gib and I are kind of wise asses, um, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Hopefully, you will too. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Andy Lockwood. Uh, he is, you know, he's a, an independent college admissions counselor, but he was most importantly recently featured in a documentary about the uh, about the scandal with Lori Laughlin and and Felicity Huffman. So uh, yeah, so he he really knows his stuff. Uh, he, he has asked me on multiple occasions to remind you. That he was uh, featured as an interview subject in the documentary had nothing to do with the actual scandal. It's merely uh, in his professional capacity as an independent college counselor. We are going to talk about not only where the line was crossed in that scandal, we're going to talk about how to get you or your kid into the best college possible, uh, and also how to pay as little as possible for college once you get in. So uh, it's it's a very important thing if you if you have kids who will eventually go to college, you have friends who have kids who go to college. This is a great interview for you to listen to. And he's a very smart guy, and he really understands the process very well. We also have uh, two quick pieces of intelligence that you guys can apply, share with your friends, do whatever you want. But first, a quick word from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. This part of Intelligence for Life, the podcast, is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, and closing costs online in real time? Rocket can. All right, once again, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, here we go with two quick pieces of intelligence. First off, why do you have a headache? Well, it could be from the leftovers you ate. Chicken, fish, beef, pork. They contain tyramine, which makes the blood vessels in your brain expand and contract, and that can trigger pain in 40% of migraine sufferers. And the amount of tyramine in cooked meat continues to increase as the amino acids in the leftovers continue to break down. That means freshly roasted beef probably won't have enough tyramine to cause a headache, but using it for a sandwich a couple days later, well, that just might. That's why headache expert Dr. Merle Diamond recommends avoiding leftovers more than 48 hours old or freezing your leftovers because freezing halts the breakdown of amino acids. Did not know that, so watch out for your leftover meat. Here we go. A weird new dating study. You know how a lot of guys, they take pictures posing with the fish that they catch? Turns out that's attractive to women. I'm, I'm not even kidding. The researchers asked 1,000 women if they found those fish pictures appealing, and 46% of the women found men with fish photos to be athletic and free-spirited. The men posing with fish were also considered powerful and independent. So there you go. 
uh, watch out for the leftover meat and uh, definitely add that fishing photo to your dating profile. All right, folks, very excited to bring this to you. Uh, again, anybody that has a college-age kid or a kid's about to go to school or will eventually go to, to college or if you want to go to college needs to hear this, my interview with Andy Lockwood. Andy Lockwood, uh, you're a you're a counselor. You are a uh, you're a consultant for parents who are trying to get their kids into college or get better financial aid. But most importantly, you're the author of the book "How to Negotiate Your Crappy Financial Aid and Merit Aid Offer: How to Appeal a Low Ball Offer from uh, your What Is It from Your Tight Fisted Such a long, from Your Tight Fisted College in Today's Turbulent Times. It's a long it's a long subtitle. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So one of the things uh, that interested me in in talking to you, and 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 I, this is a little bit salacious, a little bit gossipy, but you were a part of the documentary about that college admission scandal in Southern California. You know, the famous USC rower thing with the Laughlins and um, uh, uh, what's her face, um, the, the the celebrities' kids who were who were who weren't actually athletes who were getting athletic scholarships or or admittance into college. Uh, so, first of all, you know, what's the difference between a legitimate uh, college counselor, independent college counselor like yourself, and someone like that, what was going on in that situation? So just to be clear, I'm not facing any indictments, and I've never <laughs> faced any indictments. Just, just, just to clarify that. Yeah. I'm part of the documentary, not... Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're not part of the scandal. You're part of... You're one of the experts that spoke into the documentary, so not, uh, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I refer to myself as Long Island's uh, greatest unindicted college advisor <laughs> I'm in, in New York. So, um, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, so I, I actually met uh, that guy, Rick Singer, years ago, and um, I've, I've talked about it a few times. And I, I look at what he did as sort of being, you know, without sounding sleazy about it, on, on the same continuum as what any legitimate college advisor does, which is... Um, a few things in my case, at least one, one is helping kids, you know, sort of optimize their ability to get into the colleges that they want to get into at, at mm-hmm. a very basic level. It's just with him, you know, where you cross the line is when you pay people to take SATs or ACTs for mm-hmm. you, or you bribe certain people at colleges to let, to get them in. But uh, you know, it's, it's really the same thing. It's just, he, he crossed the line at some point sometime around maybe 2011 or something. Um, uh, well, here's what, so yeah, so he crosses this line with, with, um, uh, with with the fake athleticism, with the you know some of the like you said fake uh, SAT scores, prep, uh, college admissions exam scores, but I feel like in some ways that line can be a little bit blurry. Is that well? That's what I was saying before. I mean, it's really a continuum, right? Because um, everyone in uh, in academia and you know related any type of career related to college understands that it's a pay-to-play system. Mm-hmm. So um, some of it's direct, some of it's indirect. And it's, it's really the indirect stuff that's that strikes a lot of people as not fair. I have to agree that it's not fair, but my point is like, you know, okay, who cares? Because life, life's not supposed to be fair. You just you just understand right. that kids who go to certain high schools have um, edges when it comes to getting into, you know, the most competitive schools. Um, uh, kids whose parents have uh, a lot of money have, uh, in, in many cases, an advantage because they can afford to pay full price. At any given college, about 25% of families pays full, uh, pay full price. But um, it doesn't mean that it's it's necessarily illegal or unethical, but it really right. is, to me, all part of the same continuum. 
one of the things that really got to me about about that what I the, and I, I I I didn't follow it that closely, but on the periphery is the amount of money that these families were giving to uh, Singer and into this into the coaches of the different teams. Why I, I look at that and I remember my own college experience and, and and applying and knowing some of the wealthier families who just made donations. That kind of money, why didn't they just call the advancement office for the college that they wanted their kid to go to and say, "Hey, uh, I'd like to make a donation for you know three scholarships, and I'd like my daughter to go there." Like, what? Wh- wh- that's sort of the that's always been, and I'm not saying it's fair, like you said, I'm not saying it's right, but that's been the way of things, and it's not criminal as opposed to what happened. It's not. It wasn't. It wasn't criminal or uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fraudulent. Fraudulent. Thank you. There was. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. Per- they were perjuring themselves. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, one is that, um, and, and I can, you know, one, one of the uh, one of my business partners was on the admissions committee of of Princeton for 30 years, mm-hmm. and he was director of financial aid at Princeton for 30 years as well. And I asked him uh, about that, and um, your, your question about the uh, the development office, right? Yeah. So um, just because a uh, family donates a lot of money does not mean that admissions is going to rubber stamp him. Even even though it seems like that happens um, all the time, it doesn't happen all the time. And in, in some cases, it doesn't happen because admissions just thinks that the kid is a jerk, and and they go and they would go to um, um, you know my uh, my, my uh, mentor slash business partner. Um, his name is Don Better, and and say, um, do we really have to admit this this kid? And the committee would be like, no, you don't. So that's that's one thing. So it wasn't a guarantee, um, right. No, right? Number one, which which is what uh, Singer was offering to Lori Lachlan and uh, Felicity Huffman and all yeah. these people. Um, the second thing is the dollars are less, were less in Singer's scheme than um, the typical development office checks. So you were getting the side door cost less. So you're getting more. You're getting more bang for your buck. You're getting a guarantee for less money. Like that's 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 the move. It's more bang for your buck with a little catch that is completely criminal. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's with like if you buy stolen goods from a pawn shop. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get an iPhone for a lot cheaper. Yeah, um, yeah. one little catch. That's all. <laughs> if, you, if you can overlook that, you know, it's fine. All right, so. Uh, I always found that interesting, and and thank you, thank you so much for clearing that up. So let's move into this idea of uh, of legitimate. You you kind of have two facets to your business. One is to make sure that you get as much money as possible from the college, so you can get that college price tag as low as possible at haggling that. And the other is to ensure that kids get into the best college possible. So if you're listening to this right now. And you've got a kid, you know, I, I know a lot of people are getting their acceptance letters right now or are getting ready to go into uh, junior or senior year of high school. Uh, you know, you, you're, this is a time when when we're turning to this to this concept. So um, as far as the as far as the getting into a better college, like uh, not everybody can afford to live in the or afford to pay for the private school or live in the district where you have you talked earlier about that um competitive advantage that certain high schools have. Like I, I went to a very elite high school, you know, I'd say probably 40% of the graduating class went to an Ivy league school. Um, Penn was the most popular just be, they, they were the most willing to take uh, as many kids from prep schools as possible. Um, but, but regardless, like just a, a lot of that. So the, the 
question I get is what what if I have is what if what about what do kids who are not in that position and but are smart and qualified and absolutely should be in those institutions uh what what can they start doing uh, and when is it too late to to start changing themselves in order to get into those those schools um okay so so you asked me uh about, about the two aspects right of of um of what we do mm-hmm. the 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 legal and the illegal right the, right, um, right right we, we <laughs> sorry wrong podcast um <laughs> I thought I was on American Greed for a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not Stacy. The, 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 um, <laughs> um, can't believe he's still going. That guy. I, I sat next to him at a Laker game not too long. Wait, it was it was a long time ago. It was like four years ago, five years ago. <laughs> but I sat next to him at a Laker game. I was a huge Mike Hammer fan. That's yeah. probably too yeah. old for you. That's fine. You know, I, 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 I watch a lot of old television. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so so you know, the, get, getting to college is. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of said this in a different way. It's not, it's not a meritocracy. You know, it's right. a, lot, a lot of it is stuff that you can't control, such as, you know, where you go to high school to some extent, you know, your, your, your parents, all that. But it's also about race and ethnicity and um, whether your parents attended that school, whether your legacy, um, whether you're a recruited athlete and a bunch of other categories. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the first thing that anyone needs to understand is that um, those, those special categories, um, most of which, but not. That was not an uh, entire list. Um, those represent at any given competitive school anywhere from two thirds to up to eighty percent of the spots that get allocated or reserved for students for you know because they're non-academic reasons. Mm-hmm. So, so what you need to understand is um, if you if you're thinking about college in ninth grade or tenth grade which a lot of kids don't, but that could be the, the right time to think about it right. because that's when you start creating this body of work that's right. u- ultimately going to be judged by an admissions officer and they're going to be looking for not only those sort of special considerations but also um, you know, extracurricular activities, showing leadership, your character, uh, you know, what types of recommendations are you going to be getting, what you mm-hmm. do over the summer, what you do in school, what you do out of school, and, and so forth. So there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Um, and I, I would just sort of sum it up as – um, what, what I call CASA, C-A-S-A, which stands for Consistent Atypical Student Activities, not not the typical stuff. So it's great to be in National Honor Society, which, which a lot of kids are. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a daughter right now who's a, who's a senior, and when she was inducted in her, her uh, in 11th grade at high school, I was like, hey, congratulations, welcome to the top 80%, because that's like the participation trophy of high school these days. Right. So, so just because you're in National Honor Society does not mean you're going to get into the school you want to get into. You need to be thinking outside the box and doing things that other kids are not doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's go through a couple of examples of what those kinds of things could be. I mean, uh, uh, it, 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 additional community service, uh, volunteering with other organizations that are that are, are not National Merit Society. I mean, what what other what other things does that look like? Sure. So, so, um, so it's one thing to be in a club. It's another thing to found a club. It's one thing to do, you know, last weekend's, um, you know, fundraising walk for uh, breast cancer, autism, um, single moms who have breast cancer and autism to, get, you know, whatever the, <laughs> right, whatever right, happens. Right, right, right. It's another thing to start your own, you know, charitable thing. Um, it's it's one thing to, you know, be in a club like a robotics club. It's another thing to, um create a program to uh, maybe the middle school to feed into the robotics club. So you're promoting the robotics mm. club. You know? So there's ways to take what you're doing and, and plus it or accentuate it. That's what I always look for. 
And these seem like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but these just seem like leadership attributes. Because, I mean, ultimately, the college's business is to is to send people out of their of their university who will become leaders and notable people in the in the world which ups the notoriety and the endowment of their institution right so you want to show these colleges is i will be one of those alumni i'm the kind of person that will be the kind of alumni that elevates your institution or at least meets the standards yeah. of your institution yeah no that's a good point i mean um you know, one, one of my um, jokes that I say all the time that no one really seems to think is too funny, but um, <laughs> doesn't doesn't dissuade me, which is that um, if you read as many college applications as, as I read each each summer, you would think that everybody applying to college is a leader. There are no followers applying to college. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm really honest. I can't re recommend a profession, but I'm dying for some kid to write something like on an essay like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to show up. You tell me what to do. Uh, just boss me around. I'm, you know, I'm a follower. <laughs> so, so, but but there's um, it's it's not leadership per se. You know the way people think about sure. you know you have you have to be the president of a club or something. It's it's I would I would call it more like initiative. Mm. Um, so which is a form of I guess personal leadership, right? In, in right. A way. But but um, particularly now, you know, during this this pandemic, a lot of extracurriculars, you know, clubs internships were, were canceled or, or yeah. scaled back significantly. Right. And, and a lot of kids were like, well, now what do I do? I'm like, well, listen, this is actually an opportunity because most people are going to be sitting around with their thumbs up their noses and they're not going to know what to do because it's not being like, you know, handed to them mm -hmm. instead show some initiative, think entrepreneurially, and maybe there's something you can do on your own. And that usually leads to a, a discussion because everyone, every, every kid who's applying to college now, or perhaps applying for an internship, you know, in the near future, or even mm -hmm. a job. At some point, they're probably going to, you know, be asked like, "What'd you do during the shutdown? You know, during mm -hmm. coronavirus?" I watched a lot of Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I would hire someone for that because that's such a great wise ass answer. But, but um, I, you know, I think employers and admissions officers, you know, are looking for examples of more initiative and thinking entrepreneurially. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know what's funny is it, not just in this space, but in a, a lot of the people that I've talked to, um, and I and I, I sort of noticed this trend. This this uh, pandemic has sort of forced everybody to reframe their life as an entrepreneur, um, and and this includes the 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 kids that are and the families that are getting ready to send their kids to college, um, because yeah, because it's it, you know the the sort of structure that we lived in eroded very quickly. And so when the structure is gone, now you really do. You have to think of, okay, where's the need? Where's the abil Where's my ability to stand out? Where's my ability to make money in different ways? Because there's all kinds of stuff that was going on, uh, but we just it wasn't the usual stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of a fascinating thing to think that it, it even bleeds into this very stodgy, rote system that is the, the you know, college matriculation pipeline. Well, so so to be clear, um, th that's my approach. You know, because mm -hmm. I look at this. Even though I'm a college advisor, I could really give two you know what's about where kids actually go to college. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's it's actually ironically, it's really for me. It's really more about like helping them launch and, and mm -hmm. position themselves and launch for success post college. Mm -hmm. So all this all the stuff that I you know help kids with when I work with them one on one is you know is is, is including this stuff that we're talking about, like how to. Uh, how to stand out, how to advocate for yourself, how to be persuasive. Mm -hmm. Those are really life skills. I mean, right. they're they're not only get into college skills. There's really a broader uh, mission, 
at least for us, mm-hmm. and this is different than most other college advisors, because I, I care much more about the 40 or 50 years, not so much the four years right. of, of college, because college is supposed to be a means to an end. So right. learning how to advocate, for, you know, the people who are the most successful in life uh, figure out a way to stick up for themselves and advocate and um, and promote themselves in a way sure. that's authentic to them. Sure. And that's you know, that's basically what you're doing when you're doing a college application, but it's so much bigger than that. Right. And the college, I mean, and the college that you go to and what you study in college, like I love I love your point, is one facet of of what it means to be that person. So uh, you know, you don't want an empty suit. Some some firms want an empty suit with a Princeton degree. I understand that. But for the most part, if you want to have a life that is meaningful, an empty suit with a Princeton degree is not as meaningful as a you know um, SUNY purchase degree and a and a, and a and a different approach to life and a different kind of attitude and a and a and a joie de vivre so to speak you know. Nice. Uh, um, I know you're going to be doing French, but, uh, but um, yeah, 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 I. I uh... <laughs> I um I also think the economy is changing um and and of course you know no one has a crystal ball I'm certainly an amateur uh, mm. at, at, uh I'm not an economist but um I, I think it's going to be once everything kind of you know sorts out after all the, all the stimulus stuff and then mm. we have to deal with you know all, the, all this all this inflation and whatever I, I think it's really going to be less about having a student showing up and and FaceTime the you know, the actual face I'm not the app but you know getting <laughs> you know showing up in her office it's going to be more about um, more than ever, but what value are you bringing to this firm mm-hmm. um, or to this this whatever this is, this enterprise? And and the people who are going to be able to uh, drive you know the uh, drive revenue, uh, be valuable in other ways, um, i.e., think entrepreneurially, um, think about what they can produce. You know, the producers are going to be the ones who are going to su- survive and thrive in any economy. Right. And the people who are just looking for you know a, a sheepskin. Uh, credential, but there's right. no substance there. It's not going to do so well. Right. That's my prediction. Best best prediction I can make. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah. I think. I think that's. Uh, you, you you make a good point. I mean, I think that that's that's where we're headed. Okay. So let's let's um, let's separate now. I mean, we we know if you've got a ninth grader uh, or you've got a kid who's getting ready to go into high school into those sort of co- these years count for college times the ninth through twelfth grade, then. These are the things we need to. You need to start thinking entrepreneurially. You need to start thinking how can you show and how can your kids show their best, most initiated side uh, for those four years. What do you do about the kids that are on the tail end of that high school experience? Like, it, 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 I, I always find it. I always thought it was interesting. And our college counselors told us when I was growing up is like, you start adding a whole bunch of extracurriculars your junior year of college of high school. It's gonna look fake. It's gonna look like you were just padding your resume. So uh, this is kind of a, a loaded question. How do you pad your resume without making it look like you padded your resume? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we call that um, badge B A J, born again junior phenomenon. It's it's when a kid does nothing basically for two years, then then the mom wakes up and and's like, hey, uh, you know, Jake, you need to do some extra quick. Yeah, you know? yeah. So so. so. Um, you want to avoid that, and um, if that's not possible, and be, to, to be fair, a lot of parents and kids don't really hear about what they should have done all throughout high school until right. they have their first meeting with their college advisors in high, in high school, you know, right. their guidance counselors, in 11th grade. Right. And by then, they're like, oh, why didn't you tell me this two years ago? Right, right, right. So, right. Um, yeah, so you do your best. I mean, you, you definitely don't, like you said, you definitely don't throw up a whole bunch of stuff against the wall, see what sticks. You just need to um, go deeper with one or two things. Mm-hmm. Don't sweat it. Um, a lot of people are in the same boat 
And and frankly, the other thing I was going to say before, in terms of this being more about the long term, you know, the long game, not the short game, it, it really, and this also may seem ironic coming from a, a college consultant, is that it really doesn't matter um, where you go to college. For, there's no proof that it matters. I mean, there's there's arguments, there's anecdotal evidence one way or the I, other. Out, outside uh, of Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, the, the, yeah. You know what, I man? Even Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. Um, over any, I mean, I was just, so I did a webinar last night for, um, for, for my, uh, people on my, my list. And one of the guys that came on, um, kind of randomly is, uh, um, a guy I was friendly with in high school who graduated, um, he and his identical twin were number one, number three. I can't remember who was who. One mm. went to Yale, one, one went to Harvard. Okay. And, um, I went to a, a big public high school right outside of Boston and we sent seven kids out of the 600 in my class to Harvard, which was like a normal year. Um, because a lot of Harvard alums you know, live in the area. Right. Um, at, at, our, at our first reunion, um, two of them were unemployed. And one was like practically suicidal. One, one of the guys that this, mm. this uh, other guy mentioned to me last night on my webinar. And um, what I later learned is that over any rolling 20-year period, roughly 25% of Harvard grads are unemployed. Wow. That was you know an, an article I read years ago. And I think that was the case for most you know elite schools. So it, th- it definitely helps open doors in some instances, but I get, I get a lot of questions from parents, not necessarily about paying up for an elite school like that, but I was on the phone um, two nights ago with a, a family who um, the kid had gotten into Richmond and, I, and I'm, p- I'm picking on any schools, by the way, I'm mm-hmm. denigrating, you know, university of Richmond, but, but there's, there is a U S news and world report list that ranks colleges. And so you're merely pointing out that you're picking colleges that are lower on, on said list, right? Let's look at it that way. Um, yeah, that's one way to look at it. But yeah. by the way, rank is such BS. Also, that's I, I, I know, but I'm just you, you're not. Yeah. I'm, just, okay. I'm giving you cover for you're saying you're not denigrating schools. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying there's yeah. there is a there is a rubric that you could use to make your point. Yeah, what's really happening here is that I practiced law uh, for five years. And I'm still recovering. That, <laughs> yeah, that, Alleg- yeah, allegedly so. is just one word that's <laughs> right. right behind everything you're saying. <laughs> right. So I have, I have to say disclaimer with every sentence. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm afraid of my own shadow. Yeah. So anyway, um, so there's really crappy school in Richmond. <laughs> so <laughs> so University of Richmond, uh, $75,000 a year, and the mom wants to send the kid there. And he, uh, the kid also got an offer for like, uh, it would have been net price of like $30,000 a year from a small liberal arts school in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And the dad's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, are you asking me, is it worth paying $300,000 total? Versus one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for Richmond, which is a great school, but no offense, it's not Harvard, right? Right. And that's the discussions I have all the time. What's the return on investment really going to mm-hmm. be just because you go to a certain school? Right. The dirty little secret is there's more similarities and differences among colleges, uh, uh, and it doesn't really matter where you go to school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, beautiful. Uh, that's you know that, that's that's great to know, and I know that takes a lot of pressure off of a lot of families right now. Now let's let's pivot to the other half of your business because a lot of people are getting their acceptance letters right now. Uh, you know, regular admission instead of early admission is coming out right now, and so people are making those decisions and and they're comparing offers from different schools. They're looking at the price tag, like you mentioned, between Richmond and and University of Richmond and a and a small liberal arts college in Pennsylvania or Maine or Minnesota or whatever. And and they're making these kinds of decisions, and they're looking. They go, "Well, I really love to send my kid there, but it's not really worth two hundred extra thousand uh, dollars. I don't have that money, et cetera, et cetera." You know, you have some tried and true methods for uh, for getting the better aid packages and negotiating the price. Like it's 
you know, it's like we're at a bazaar in uh, you know, a flea market. You can actually negotiate some of this stuff, right? So how do we, what, what, is, yeah. what is the first thing that you, that you think parents and kids should know in order to navigate this world? Because I, I think, for me anyway, you get the thing in the mail, the offer is the offer, and then you make your decision based on that, and it's sort of like, um, like you're buying insurance. It's not really a negotiating thing. Right. Well, so that's definitely the first thing to understand, um, because a lot of people have, have the same type of assumption that that is negotiable. That they, they, they assume it's not. So, so that's the first thing to understand. Um, I guess the second thing is, you know, the, the best defense is a good offense. So, mm-hmm. um, so the best time to negotiate is like two years before you apply. When you're when you're starting to come up with a college list, it's great to have in that list a couple of schools that compete with each other. Um, so they might be mm. schools that are in the same conference or they might be schools that are reputable in a certain program, like communications or something so have, that always like helps. Bowden, Bates and Colby, like have those three schools on your list. Cause they're, they're the, yeah, they're the three schools yeah. in Maine. That's the, yeah, that's right. That's an example. But, but, um, you know, uh, Syracuse competes with the university of Southern California for, for communications, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not always a geographic thing. You know, it could be, it could be, uh, any variety of things, but that, okay. that really helps to have other offers. <clears throat> and um, the other thing is, you know, w- when you are um, asking for more money, bear in mind that colleges have their own a- agenda uh, as well. It's not mm. not just about you. And particularly this year, they're scrambling. They, there was a there was a huge uptick in applications. Um, not there's not, there weren't more kids applying, but there were, but each kid was applying to more schools. Right. So um, Colgate. Uh, had a, an increase of 102 percent. A lot of schools were up 30 to 40 percent. Mm-hmm. What that means is they're not sure who they admit if they admit someone if they're going to actually show up. Right. So they're scrambling behind the behind the scenes. A lot, a lot of those types of schools. So pitting them off against each other ruthlessly and mercilessly is one of my favorite favorite tactics. But there's also types of appeals too. There are um, financial type appeals. So one of the weird things about how the, fin- the financial aid process works is that it's based on income from two years. Um, prior mm-hmm. so um so kids now who are graduating 2021 their awards that they received are based on income from 2019 mm. and if something changed since 2019 you know if 2020 looked a lot worse then that's a good appeal to make mm-hmm. and there's other things like that let me ask you a question so is it net income or gross income that they're going to look at in other words if i have i have a kid yeah. and i have 529s for my kids if i put like when they're two years out from college if i start taking a good chunk of my income and start putting it into their 529s, will that yep. show up as aid that they, uh, will that income show up as aid uh, that uh, that I'm not eligible for? Or is that like, is, am I basically paying, uh, getting $2 for every dollar I put in? So, so there's two things um, in that example to, to talk about. One is that um, any, any deduction that you take for, um, it could be 529. It could be uh, retirement, you know, for funding 401k or something like that. That lowers your taxable income, but that does not lower your income for financial aid. There's two okay. different, uh, two different sets of uh, regulations. So mm. your your um, that gets added back. So if you you know made 150 thousand dollars and you contribute 20 and you're paying taxes on 130 for financial aid, it's 150. Okay. Um, the second thing is um, the, the uh, second dirty little secret that pe- that people. Um, don't realize about the 529 is that that actually is an asset against you that reduces your eligibility for financial aid. Oh wow! It's, it's a you know might be a good plan for many other people, but it actually hurts your uh, your ability to pay. Oh wow! To, to get aid. Yeah. Wow. Um, 
I had I had no idea. So so that gets sort of counted as an asset because uh, there's a there's a factor uh, that they put in there called uh, uh, what is it estimated parental contribution. Uh, called the expected family contribution. Yes, oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I I had it. I was off the top of my head. But they, so they have that, and and so the five twenty nine yeah. would be would be added to the expected family contribution. I mean, you had me a draw to V. It's called the JD, the JDV. <laughs> so, 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 uh, the expected family contribution, yeah, that, that's the number. What that's supposed to be is the number that the government thinks that you can afford to pay. It doesn't right. mean that's what you're going to pay. That, that's right. another little thing that people don't understand. And income is a big factor. Um, it's the most important factor, meaning all income. And assets are penalized much less. So basically, the lower the EFC, the better it is, the more, more you qualify for. Mm-hmm. Um, assets are important, but they're not nearly as important as income. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, all right. So that all adds into what this package is. How 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 can people last minute? Uh, what are what is one thing that they can start doing last minute? As you know, it's it's too late to do the two years out thing. It's too late to do some of these other things that we've been talking about. Uh, in order to make their financial situation look as appealing as possible to get more aid and merit? So the legal things <clears throat> that they can do um, are, are <laughs> thank you very much. You're not wearing a wire, right? Uh, I literally am. I mean, I literally have a microphone in front of both of our faces. Oh. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> now you tell me. So, so um, I'm all wired up. So, so the, um, uh, there are legal ethical ways to shelter, uh, not hide, because that sounds sleazy, shelter uh, assets or savings in the financial aid formulas. Um, it'll it'll potentially, so let's say you have $100,000 in, in a 529. You're going to lose eligibility of anywhere from $5,000 at almost every school, but some schools might penalize you $5,000 because mm-hmm. they, they make their own rules. Right. So money in a parent's name generally penalizes you less than money in a kid's name. So mm. if you have like a UTMA or you know, I don't want to get too bogged down, but, right. but the, the point is, is that um, 529s and other savings count against you either a little or up to 25%. Mm. If you, but there are four legal shelters um, in the financial aid formulas that pertain to the, the, uh, the main financial aid form, which is called the FAFSA, free application for federal student aid. Mm. The two that I see most commonly used, and I'm not a financial advisor, so, you know, um, I, I you know, I'm, I'm an amateur right, at this, right. but um, the, the two that uh, I see people use the most in terms of like taking money from one bucket, so to speak, where it penalizes them and putting into a bucket where it doesn't penalize them are either life insurance with cash value or um, in some cases annuities. Those are both exempt. Those are two out of the four exemptions in the financial aid formulas that you can legally use. Just like if you have an elder parent and they're trying to qualify for more Medicaid, you go to a lawyer, you take assets out of that elderly parent's name. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in the financial aid. It's just different tools to okay. qualify for more benefits. And these are all, just a reminder, these are all completely legal. These are all, uh, the, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're moving assets around in a legal way and not avoiding taxes or anything like that. You're just making your application for financial aid look the most appealing uh and and to make it look like you get the most you get the most bang for your buck to get the most uh aid from a college that you you and your family think is right for for you so i i i want to emphasize that and again not financial advice just is that is that really important that it's legal no so yeah the 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 answer is that there's there's a paper trail for everything 
It'll show up in your tax returns if it's something that's a taxable event. There's it, there's nothing untoward mm-hmm. at all. That's why I drew that analogy with the Medicaid spending. Right. Spend down is what it's called. It's the same exact thing. It's like taking a deduction on a tax return. I mean, is that legal? Of course, of course it is. You know, yeah. One of my favorite sayings is, um, I think it was an old ad for uh, J.P. Morgan or something. You know, the law says you have to pay taxes, but it doesn't say they have to leave a tip. So same thing with college. You, you you have to pay tuition, but you don't necessarily have to leave a tip. Right, right. And you, and your whole your whole uh, mo your 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 you know the backbone of your business is making sure that you're not over tipping. That you're you're putting in the appropriate amount to get your kid to the college that will that, and that will make your kid you, you create an environment where your where your child can become the best version of themselves. Uh, and I love that. That's your focus is the forty to fifty. Yeah. Point. I mean, into the the broad, you know, thirty thousand foot view is that this is about college return on investment. Mm-hmm. So that means a couple things: one, getting more out of it than you put in, but also number two, getting it for the lowest price that you can possibly get it for. So, so we incorporate, you know, different disciplines that other college advisors don't incorporate, which you know include, you know, helping position yourself to get in where you want to get in, mm-hmm. uh, helping pick schools that are likely to be generous to you because that's a whole nother thing you can look great on paper but not get any money because the school's not generous and in terms of the return on um uh i was gonna say return on advisor you know if they, if they work yeah. with us but the return on investment is is that um, we also help them identify you know careers where that match their wiring where they could actually make a living and love what they do and that's wow. how we actually pick colleges so yeah. it's a it's a four-pronged type of thing that's amazing um you know, I, does there is there a difference when you're looking at colleges? Like I, I know a, a few years ago, maybe 20 years ago, famously Princeton's endowment got to a size where the return on the endowment was greater than their operating costs, which meant that they essentially did not have to charge. They don't have to charge tuition. So does that matter when you're looking? I think USC is in a similar boat, uh, where where the actual cost per student uh, is actually is covered by the school already. Um, and the tuition is just sort of um, uh, an opportunity cost element, like something that they're just charging in order to to keep the value high. Uh, does that factor in when you're looking for aid packages? Because like Princeton could just, when you get in and you ask for more aid, they don't have to look at their budget and balance how many kids are getting aid. They can just say, yes, you get as much aid as you need. Um, yeah, that's that, all that. Is, is very true and very perceptive. Um, but generally, the, the schools that have the larger endowments are the more generous schools, but it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's, po- it's it's entirely possible for a school to have a huge, you know, uh, war chest, but not meet 100% of demonstrated financial need. So um, a lot of it, and a lot of it has to do with stuff that you can't control, like who else is applying that year? Mm-hmm. How do you stack up compared to that cohort in terms of grades and scores? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who else... What are the colleges admitted to you, and do we care about those? You know, mm-hmm. So it, there, there's a lot of moving parts. Very interesting. All right. Well, uh, I've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, the book, again, uh, How to Negotiate Your Crappy Financial Aid and Merit Aid Offer. Um, you are, have a special offer for people listening right now, and uh, so they can get a copy of that book for the people that are getting ready to send their kids to school. And how can people follow yeah. up to get that? Yeah, great. Happy to do it. Um, it was it was a bestseller, uh, and you can get your a free copy of it. You go to collegenegotiationbook.com, and um, you can it's just a simple one page form. You fill out 
and I'll get right to you immediately. Uh, there is a link in the show notes to that website so that you guys can click on that and get a copy of the book, as well as uh, a link to buy uh, some of Andy's other books in the show notes for you to check out. Um, how can people follow up with you aside from getting these books? Uh, how can people follow up with you uh, if, if they want to if they want to go further? Well, check with my parole officer to see. <laughs> if, uh, like, like uh, same joke over and over again. <laughs> That's how I roll. Uh, I, I guess go, go to um, our, our site LockwoodCollegePrep.com and you can get in touch with us and uh, you know that way, some uh, one way, shape, or form. Okay, LockwoodCollegePrep.com again. Uh, link in the show notes. So you guys can check that out. And one last question, and I ask it for I ask it to everybody that I have on the show. What is one thing we can all start doing today? that will make our lives a whole lot better? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think just chilling out and understanding it's all going to work out. I mean, that, that's what I tell a lot of parents mm-hmm. and kids who are like uptight about, you know, where they're getting in and all that. But it's, it's really, uh, I think that's an uh, unqualified life coach <laughs> bit, of, bit of advice, <laughs> but it's all, it's all going to work out. It may not be exactly the way you thought it was going to work out, but mm-hmm. things tend to work out. Awesome. Andy Lockwood, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. This is great. Thanks for having me. That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. That actually helps us out a lot. If you guys want to follow up with us, uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash John Tesh. We go live there all the time. John's also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Give Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every mention of the show, uh, every everything that you guys say about me, about the show, uh, and even taking your guys' advice on topics and interview subjects uh, because ultimately I do this show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our inner circle group coaching membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass um, and get access to our double secret software, College Guru software that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits. Check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at LockwoodInnerCircle.com and use the coupon code podcast for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.